as we peruse all things Potter. Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite set of twins, Fred and George. My favorite set of twins is Pavardi and Padma. (laughs) Gred and Forge. (laughs) Yeah, so just a new section to start this off. Before we get into talking about Fred and George one word what would what would the one word you choose to describe them be maybe like funny I don't know (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) I would say I was thinking about this I would say bright because Mm. they're really smart and also like I think of them as kind of like a light in the darkness type thing yeah they have like um they're very entrepreneurial oh that's a good word you know like they're um creative yeah that was like four words but it's fine yeah it was also like (laughs) entrepreneurial is like kind of a slytherin word and then like creative is a ravenclaw word ravenclaw yeah I think they have strong traits from both of those houses. I think so, too. I think that they would have... um, I don't think they would have thrived in either of those houses, though. No. No, 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 no. I... Just because I feel like they don't... Like, their personalities don't fit into either of them. You know? Yeah, I think they have the traits, but not, like in the common way to have those traits yeah like i think that if they were in ravenclaw their housemates would honestly just like really hate them yeah yeah (laughs) and like them being in gryffindor obviously they're brave and we see that in like seven particularly but them being in gryffindor i feel like is mostly just like good for them because it's like the boisterous like rowdy like jockey kind of group you know for sure the cool kids the class kind of yeah clowns, they like. also came in just like despising slytherins and i'll kind of like i i'll touch on that in a later section <laughs> okay <laughs> all right so on to the fact file so their names are obviously fred and george weasley we don't have their middle names um, but there's speculation that they're named after Molly's brothers, Fabian and Gideon Pruitt, who died in the first Wizarding War. I believe they were killed by Death Eaters in the first Wizarding War. And it's unclear if Fabian and Gideon were twins, but you get the F and the G, and they're Molly's. I think they were her only two brothers, so kind of makes sense. Fred could be short for Frederick. Alfred, Wilfred, or it could be just Fred. I think, to the best of our knowledge, it's just Fred. But a little bit about that name. Frederick is the English form of a Germanic name, meaning peaceful ruler, derived from Fried, peace, and Rick, ruler or power. It has been a very common name for rulers of the Holy Roman Empire, Germany, Austria, and Scandinavia, such as Frederick, Frederick the Great of Prussia. Alfred is derived from Old English, meaning Elf Council, or Alfred, meaning Old Peace. 
Alfred the Great was a 9th century king of Wessex who battled the Danes and translated many Latin books into Old English. In Norwegian, Danish, and Swedish, Fred means peace. So, not the best etymology, but I don't, I don't think he's very peaceful, but he's peace as in, like, not war. <laughs> And then George, it's a popular male name given, uh, a popular male given name derived from the Greek word Georges, meaning farmer or or earth worker. St. George was a third century martyr who became a patron saint of England after the Crusades, and six kings of Britain had the name George. So, JK basically just said that she chose their names because she liked them, and they fit the, like, old-fashioned theme of names for the Weasleys. I mean, like, Percy is definitely kind of old-fashioned. Bill and Charlie, I don't think are old-fashioned. Ron is. But, like, Bill is William, right? Yeah. And then, like, Ronald and Ginevra, are, I think, are both, like... Yeah. Ginevra has this And it's probably of, like, Charles medieval. Weasley. Yeah. So. Although it's per- just Percy. I don't think it's Percival. Yeah. They're just kind of, like, quirky, you know. Yeah. They're not hairy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Harold is also, I feel like, a, like an, a strong English Yeah, name. but he's just hairy. I know. So. <laughs> I'm just hairy. <laughs> I'm just hairy. <laughs> but the coolest meaning, I think, which even though JK has not said, this is why she gave them the names, is that George Third who was the king of England during the American Revolution, became king because of the early death of his dad, Frederick, Prince of Wales. And George III was also deaf in one ear. There's, like, no way that's a coincidence. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think it's really cool. Like, I know that his yeah. dad is the one that's Frederick, but, like, Frederick dies early, George is deaf yeah. in one ear. Like, that's, that's yeah. not... That was definitely planned. I think that picking names for twins is, like, really, really hard. Because not only do they have to be, like, good names, but they have to, like, work together. But not work know? together too much. Yeah. Like, they, it just has to sound, like, good saying them at the yeah. same time. Like, Fred and George. George and Fred. No. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> So, Fred and George were born on April 1st, 1978, which, if you're following along, is April Fool's Day, so it's very fitting that they were born on this day. Fred is older. He was born first. I don't think we know how much older. Um, My guess is seven minutes, if I had just put money on Uh, something. Probably. Or like 77 Uh, minutes. (laughs) 77? That's a long labor. (laughs) Um, Or like time in between. I know that labors can be very long. Um, And April 1st is, if you listen to this, the day it comes out tomorrow. So make sure you wish Fred and George a happy birthday. Pull a prank. Go big on April Fool's Day. We're all in the house together. So you got plenty of time to think of something. (laughs) And then their deaths. Fred died May 2nd, 1998. Rest in peace. George is still alive as far as we know. Uh, JK said that she always knew it was going to be Fred and she could honest, couldn't honestly tell you why. I think there's like speculation that she, well, she wanted to kill off one of the Weasleys 
and she debated killing like Ron or Arthur for a while and then when she decided not to do that I think she settled on one of the twins and people have speculated that it's like more shocking that Fred is the one that died because Fred and George and Fred well I'll talk about later with the differences between them but he's like kind of the leader the more outgoing one so it's more surprising that he's the one that died yep which is interesting because like I read that thing where you like where that information is from and it's like from JK like a quote that she says and she's like I assume that everybody would just expect it to be um George be the one who died because he's like the quieter like nicer one but like honestly I didn't know I could not separate them by personality at all by like reading the books she also said that when she said that fred was born first she was like i thought that was obvious (laughs) (laughs) like i don't think she realizes that like when one of their names is written like and i know you have this down later so i know it's not actually true but like there might they might as well just be the same person like you never hear like fred and fred without george or george without fred like they're always together when we see them. Right. Are there any scenes where it's just one of them? Like I honestly besides cannot think when of one. Fred is dead. I mean, I'm sure that there are, but like I mean they're all I just like they're always together. Yeah. They might as well have been the same person. And like they say different things, but it's always like Fred says one thing and then George says and something then George, and then Fred yeah. says something. Like it's always like they're always both talking yeah i never picked up on that and i think it's interesting to go back and look at it which we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah we're gonna talk about it later um so we do know that their patron this is both of their patronuses correct yeah so we do know that that their patronus is a magpie which is a bird yeah i think it's like a black and white bird i Um, think they're like native to britain or they're yeah half of britain because, oh, a Quidditch team is the Montrose Magpies. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, J.K. Rowling said this on Twitter, so it's not... You can decide what level of <laughs> canon that is for you. Um, but there is a British nursery rhyme about magpies that says, one is for sorrow and two for joy. So, it's kind of implying that, like, magpies are happier, like, when there's two of them. That they're, like, more, like, social creatures and they can't be like by themselves which is like very much fred and george like they're happier together they're always together and then like when one leaves they're sad which is very sad um so those with the magpie patronus have an impressive mind although they may not see it conjurers of the magpie are often very and conjurers of the magpie are often very intelligent and um this fits fred and george really well they are like very intelligent very creative in kind of their own ways like they're not intelligent as in like book smart like they don't get the best grades they don't really care about school and that's just a matter of like them not applying themselves like if they did apply themselves like i'm sure they'd get great grades because they're very smart very inventive very creative like i said yeah so perceptive those with this patronus are often able to understand and process information exceedingly fast does that that sentence make sense it's all written really weirdly yeah those with this patronus are the most intellectual of all another feature of those with this patronus is the ability to observe this watchful watchful nature allows people with a magpie patronus to absorb information just by watching things happen around them the downfall of those who conjure this patronus is that they can sometimes be willful and not 
and will not change their mind easily, sometimes this leads to disputes. However, this willful nature comes from the need to constantly be improving. Those with the magpie Patronus strive for better. This Patronus is most commonly found in Ravenclaw, and a close second is Slytherin, although the magpie Patronus can be found in other houses. I feel like they always say this at the end of Patronus things. It's like, most likely found in this, but they can be but in they can houses. Be it's like, yeah. <laughs> I um, like the part you. about them being like, kind of stubborn and not changing their minds I think that fits them really well yeah and I think that like this like desire to improve maybe not like maybe that doesn't apply to the twins like in the way that they're always trying to like improve themselves but like I think they're always like searching for the next thing you know like they're that's like comes from their like inventive um like mind and nature like they're always just looking for the next the next best thing the next funniest thing you know like the next biggest prank you know right right they're always just kind of like living for the next (laughs) and then their house is Gryffindor which obviously we've already talked about this they're Weasley they have to be Gryffindor yeah I also think this is one of the clearest like we were talking about earlier like the soaring hat I think we've maybe said this in the past episode I can't remember or maybe we just said this in conversation, but it's important for the sorting hat not only to like look at people's traits and their values, but also like where they fit in. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't want like a, want to set a kid up for failure. And I think this is one of like the best instances where like maybe, yeah, their traits fit just fine, but like their personality fits so well into Gryffindor that like that's where they belong. Yeah. And I think you, I think it's a balance, right? Cause there's like someone like Neville, Mm -hmm. who would have fit in and probably been happier definitely in his early Hogwarts years in Hufflepuff but like yeah needed to be in Gryffindor for his own personal growth yeah for sure um so I'm gonna read the first mention next I'm pretty sure I've read this exact same thing before. <laughs> For like all Ron the Weas- and Molly. <laughs> all the Weasleys are introduced in the same sentence, basically. But I'm going to go with it. Who knows when I'll stop. <laughs> so it says, Fred, you next, the plump woman said. I'm not Fred, I'm George, said the boy. Honestly, woman, you call yourself our mother. Can't you tell I'm George? Sorry, George, dear. Only joking. I am Fred, said the boy, and off he went. His twin called after him to hurry up, and he must have done so because a second later he had gone. But how had he done it? So. How had he done it? Those are the twins. (laughs) Those are the twins, and I think that's, like, a super great first introduction to them. We get, like, their jokester nature, and it does say, like, his twin so, like, from the get-go, we know that they're twins. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Does, does the job. Gets the job <laughs> done. All right. So, I'm going to talk about their MBTI personality type. And, like I said, later I'm going to talk more about the differences between the two of them. But I am using the same personality type for them. Partially just to make things easier on me. But also because I think they do have the same, like, general personality type um, based on what we know about them, based on what we see of them. But maybe if someone wanted to do a really deep read of the series where they just focused on Fred and George, they could tell me more nuanced personality types for the two of them. And I I would love to get that email. (laughs) Okay. 
So their personality type is the ESFP, um, the entertainer. And it says, if anyone is found is to be found spontaneously breaking into song and dance, it is the entertainer personality type. Entertainers get caught up in the excitement of the moment and want everyone else to feel that way too. No other personality type is as generous with their time and energy as entertainers when it comes to encouraging others, and no other personality type does it with such irresistible style. So, I mean, this is pretty, like, obvious for Fred and George. They're always just entertaining everyone in the common room. I don't think that they're ever doing homework or just... I mean, there's times where they're sitting quietly by themselves in the common room when they're, like, writing letters to Bagman and stuff and plotting and scheming, but they're basically always surrounded by people, always the life of the party. And I liked the the mention of them being generous with their time and energy because, I mean, they put so much time and energy, like, into the joke shop, and that just ends up being kind of, like, I know it's a business, but it it almost is like a civil service because it comes about in the war like it brings so much joy to people just like little joy that they wouldn't have had otherwise in that dark time um and i also thought about how they were trying their best to like cheer Ginny up in chamber of secrets when she was being possessed by voldemort and then anytime there was a party post quidditch or post uh, i think it was the first task in the triwizard tournament after that like they were always kind of the life of the party always setting up like all the decorations and i think they what getting the food food. yeah i think they were the ones that were they the ones that made the drawing of cedric like on fire after the first task dean Dean is the drawer yeah but like who knows if they just like told him to do it you know yeah all right So, entertainers love the spotlight and all the world's a stage. Many famous people with the entertainer personality type are indeed actors, but they love putting on a show for their friends, too, chatting with a unique and uh, and earthy wit, soaking up attention and making every outing feel a bit like a party. Utterly social, entertainers enjoy the simplest things, and there's no greater joy for them than than just having fun with a group of friends. I mean, like I was saying, they're always the centers of attention, and... Even when they're not, like, in this big party, they seem to be really happy just to hang out with the two of them and Lee. I think that they're, like, very... I think they're good friends, and they're always just kind of, like, easygoing and happy. And they're so witty. Like, that part really rang true. Like, they always, like, have a little quip. Something to say. Um, And I think sometimes that's even funnier than them, like, coming up with these elaborate pranks and stuff. Alright, though it may not always seem like it, entertainers know that it's not all about them. They are observant and very sensitive to others' emotions. People with this personality type are often the first to help someone talk out a challenging problem, happily providing emotional support and practical advice. However, if the problem is about them, entertainers are more likely to avoid a conflict altogether than to address it head-on. Entertainers usually love a little drama and passion, but not so much when they are the focus of the criticisms it can bring. Um, So being, like, sensitive and observant to others' emotions, cheering up Ginny and Camber of Secrets again, um, giving Harry the map because they knew he would do better with it, and, like, showing him the passageways to get to Hogsmeade. I think there are, like, times when I think it's George tries to cheer up Ron a little bit. 
They are also like some of the first to sign up for Dumbledore's army. So they'll, they want to help. They want to take on the problem. And then they don't really address their own problems a ton. Like the joke, the joke shop stuff. They do fight with Molly a bit, but they usually just try to like avoid the confrontation with her by just like running things underground and not telling her and then they fight with her when like she finds out about things but it's never them bringing it up um even though it is their dream and they never are like no mom we like don't want to go work for the ministry they just kind of like try to avoid having that fight i think as much as possible yeah entertainers are welcome wherever there's a need for laughter playfulness and and a volunteer to try something new and fun and there's no greater joy for entertainer personalities than to bring everyone else along for the ride entertainers can chat for hours sometimes about anything but the topic they mean to talk about and share their loved ones emotions through good times and bad if they can just remember to keep their ducks in a row they'll always be ready to dive into all the new and exciting things the world has to offer friends in tow i think I mean, obviously, like, laughter, playfulness, um, wanting to try something new and fun. But also the through the good times and the bad, the work that they did with the shop, just bringing people those little amounts of joy during the war, and also with Potter Watch. I think that was really important um, and in tune to what people needed during that time. It, like, may have seemed like kind of a small thing, but I think that Fred and George more than like they would admit actually do care about like making people feel safe and um like fighting the good fight they really do care about that even though they are just kind of like portrayed as jokesters yeah for sure so then just a little bit about their careers because we do know like what they end up doing Just about any career that focuses on working with others is a good fit and is even essential for entertainers to be happy and productive. Entertainer personalities are natural event planners, sales representatives, trip planners, and tour guides, as each of these creates a sense of excitement, stimulation, and novelty between them and their customers. I mean, obviously, like, they end up running a joke shop. They always are having face-to-face time with their customers, and they also, like, are inventive in coming up with things, so it's not... It's not like they're just inventing things and sending them out. Um, they do have like the face-to-face like people time that I think is so important for them. Mm-hmm. All right, and then their strengths, bold, original, aesthetics and showmanship, practical, observant, and excellent people skills. I think all of the above except maybe practical. Not that they aren't practical, I guess, but I mean, they're practical jokers. <laughs> like. <laughs> we just don't really see that and then the aesthetics and showmanship really jumped out to me because like the branding of weasley's wizard wheezes i think it's well it's chaotic but it seems like i don't know it's like very well like planned out and stuff yeah and then weaknesses sensitive conflict averse easily bored poor long-term planners and unfocused and i definitely disagree with the like poor planners and unfocused because they were so dedicated to their joke shop dream and they planned very well and they actually worked really hard on that and i think that's kind of overlooked because for a lot of the time we like don't necessarily know what they're doing harry's just like oh fred and george are over in the corner but um they like it's so impressive what they made happen like getting a shop in diagon alley straight out of hogwarts um 
I think it's really cool. Yeah, I think that maybe like unfocused and like poor long-term planners can apply like to stuff that they're not passionate about. Yeah. You know, because, like, I'd say that they were pretty unfocused in school, but... Yeah, I think they just didn't care about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, next, I'm going to go through this list of all the pranks that they've pulled throughout their Hogwarts careers. Um, I haven't decided whether I'm going to read all of them yet, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, first year, one of the first things we see them doing is bewitching snowballs to hit the back of Professor Quirrell's head, which, like, in hindsight, so we do know now is Voldemort's head, or was Voldemort's <laughs> head. Um, so that's, like, always funny to think about, and I'm sure, like, most people have seen that stuff online. Like, that's not anything new. Um, they stole and hid Percy's prefect badge, which... I'll talk about a little bit later. And then they attempted to send a laboratory seat to Harry while he was in the hospital wing to cheer him up a little bit because (laughs) at the beginning of Sorcerer's Stone, they say, like, don't they tell Ginny that they'll send her a toilet seat from Hogwarts? Oh, yeah, they do. They do. 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 Yeah. (laughs) So they instead tried to send one to Harry. Who knows if they tried to send one to to Ginny, honestly. They probably did. Yeah. Um, Harry discovered that Fred and George have a whole drawer to themselves at in Filch's cabinet, like in his like files on students. There's a whole section separate for Fred and George, and this is when he's in Filch's office and like finds the was it like quick spell? Oh yeah, the the squib thing. Yeah, yeah. He like that's when we find out that Filch is a squib, which is a great scene, and I always forget happens because it happens in. Uh, sorcerers because isn't it after the death day party yeah well is it after the death day party no because after directly after the death day party they find um it's either in chamber or in sorcerers because like nick um nearly headless nick tries to help harry out Oh, yeah, it's the second year because the death day party is the second year. Because yes. that's when they meet Myrtle. Yeah. After the Gwid- Gryffindor Quidditch team's practice on the 24th of Yeah, because he tracks muddy footprints into the Mrs. Norris saw Harry Potter, who entrance. was covered in soil and dirt, and Filch brought him to his office. Okay. So it's like a week before the death day party. Yeah. It's probably like um, in the same chapter. I could have also just scrolled up because these are also organized oh. by book. And that's also when you, um, that's also when you find out that Peeves damaged the vanishing cabinet. Because Filch mm. brings Harry into his office and then Filch has to, like, go out because Peeves well, had no, just, like, it's, thrown No, the it's Nearly cabinet. Headless Nick that does it because Nearly Headless Nick tries to distract Filch to help Harry and he just thinks that it's Peeves, but it's Nearly Headless, or Nearly Headless Nick told Peeves to do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is, yeah. Um, I was like, can Nearly Headless Nick throw things? <laughs> um, they attempted to cheer Ginny up in the second year, which you've like talked about a couple times, by covering themselves with fur and boils and jumping out at her from behind statues. 
<laughs> She's like, I don't know about you guys, but I don't think that would cheer me up. I think I would scream. Um, Well-intentioned, though. <laughs> yeah. They also marched in front of Harry down the corridors, chant or shouting, make way for the heir of Slytherin, seriously evil wizard coming through, which again, like, maybe is a little bit not tactful because, like, Harry was actually, like, really worried about being the heir of Slytherin, and they were, like... And, like, the whole school was, like, thought he was. Um, so, yeah. They also, after Ginny sent Harry the valentine, they started serenading Harry with the song all the time. Um, his eyes are as green as a fresh-pickled toad. <laughs> they um, set off the last of their filibuster fireworks on the Hogwarts Express on their way home. They put beetles in Percy's soup when they were in Egypt, which I don't remember hearing about that, but that's really gross. It must have just been in passing. Yeah. They also improved Percy's head boy badge by, um, oh, what did they what did they make it say? Like, Oh, big head boy. Yeah. Um, right? Is, is that what it is? That's what it says on the, um, the infographic here. If you scroll up. Oh... maybe that is that's not what i was thinking but maybe that is what it is um they give harry the marauders map because like they've learned everything they need from it they set off dung bombs in a corridor in their first year and then um this is what this is like one of the first things that they did so they got taken to filch's office but then george dropped another dung bomb once he was in the office creating a diversion and this is how they stole the marauders map from the confiscated and highly dangerous drawer. They said, oh, sorry, go ahead. I have a question. Do we know how they figured out how to work the Marauder's Map? I don't think so. Because it's, because Filch doesn't, doesn't know how to do it. So it's not something that was like in the office, like a sticky note on it saying like. I wonder if the map told them though. I wonder if the map, because you know how like the map knew that Snape was trying to get into it? I, I wonder if the map, like, recognized recognize. game and was, like... <laughs> game recognizes game. I love that. I think that's what happened. Um, they set off a half a dozen dung bombs in the common room. They have a lot of dung bombs. Um, they fed... The, or they didn't feed him, but they tricked Dudley into eating a ton-ton toffee. They attempted to smuggle as many tongue ton tongue toffees as possible out of the house when they left for the quidditch world cup but mrs weasley found all of them they used their trick wand to like entice ludo bagman into like letting them bet with him they tried to get past the age line which led to them seeing each other as old men for the first and only time um (laughs) They turn Neville into a large canary after he eats a canary cream at a celebration party after one of the tasks. They bewitched trunks to fly down the stairs of Grim Old Place and they knocked Ginny over backwards down the stairs. Um, two flights of stairs, my bad. Oh, Fred and George, they like tell this story. They're talking to like Ron, Harry, and Hermione about like how stressful OWLs are and they're like, 
they're talking about like all these like fake things that are coming up around Hogwarts, like the like the quills that help you, like potions that help you make make you smarter mm. or whatever. And they're telling they tell a story about how they um, tricked Kenneth Towler's into um, or they put Bulbadox powder on Kenneth Towler's pajamas, and like that made him break out in boils. Um, they tested their skiving snack boxes on innocent looking first years which i will talk about later (laughs) um their skiving stack boxes are most of these during da lessons they took turns um pointing their wands at the back of zachariah smith and like disarming him and he keeps like freaking out like why is my wand which is like flying out of my hand that would be one of my favorites (laughs) yeah that one's really funny they pelted snowballs at Ron's face through the window of the common room. They invented headless hats. They forced Montague headfirst into the vanishing cabinet, which I will talk about later. <laughs> they, um, the Their big grand goodbye with all the Weasley's wildfire whiz-bangs um, and their fireworks disrupting umbrage and leaving the school they followed this up they had like the portable swamp that they used to help harry get into umbrage's office hermione got punched in the face by one of their punching telescopes um when their products were banned from hogwarts they started running like the owl order service and like doing like (laughs) fake packaging so it didn't look like it was coming from weasley's wizard weasley wheezes um this is another prank that's like um a story so we don't actually see it happen but they tried to make ron make an unbreakable vow with them when they were (laughs) when they were young they also turned ron's teddy bear into a spider which is like why he's really afraid of spiders (laughs) both of those i will also talk about later um teasing ron about him and lavender isn't a prank i don't think that's just like having a sibling um Oh, they go to, like, the local muggle village and, like, do card tricks for this pretty muggle girl. And they're, like, they just think that my card tricks are something marvelous. Almost, like, real magic. (laughs) Um, They teach the garden gnomes swear words. (laughs) That's all-time great um they also they're they're the reason that auntie muriel no longer visits the burrow at christmas because they set a dung bomb off under her chair once during a christmas dinner and they continue to operate their store even after like their premises were shut down during the war and they did this through an owl order service out of muriel's back room (laughs) I'm sure she loved living with them. So those are mostly all. I didn't even give you the highlights. I read all of them, of their pranks. And like I said, I'll talk about quite a few of them later. So yeah. Thank you for that. (laughs) All right, so I'm just going to talk about their roles in the second Wizarding War. So they opened Weasley's Wizard Wheezes in 1996 after they left Hogwarts. And they were one of the few shops still open in Diagon Alley, like, immediately when they go, uh, when Harry, Ron, and Hermione go with the Weasleys at the beginning of Half-Blood Prince. 
all of the places are pretty much shut down or close to being shut down, but Weasley's Wizard Wheezes is bustling. They joined the Order of the Phoenix once they were of age, so I think like when they left Hogwarts, because they were of age before, but they were of age during the summer before Order of the Phoenix, like the summer before their seventh year, but Molly wouldn't let them in on any of the conversations. And then they fought in the Battle of the Seven Potters, both as Harry's. So Fred flew on broomsticks with Arthur and George flew on broomsticks with Remus and he lost his left ear due to being hit by Sectumsempra by Snape. That bastard. <laughs> and then we have Potter Watch. So I always thought that they were like both kind of part of Potter Watch, but I think it was just Fred uh, Ron thinks that it's Fred's voice, so as far as we know, George wasn't on it, which is kind of weird because I don't know why George wouldn't be on it. They were in hiding together. Well, maybe, like, he was in the room when they were recording, but we do know that he's, like, the quieter one, so maybe he just, like, didn't say much, mm. like, that time that they were listening, you know? Maybe he was a producer. Yeah. He's listed, he gets a producer credit. Yeah. <laughs> so Fred was a correspondent, and... Potter Watch, of course, is Lee Jordan's radio show during the war that you have to have a password to listen to and you just kind of guess the password. So Fred's codename was Rapier for his sharp wit, but Lee wanted his codename to be Rodent and Fred didn't like that. So there's just like this banter with that. Um, and Fred reported, his segment was reporting news on the chief Death Eater, which would be Voldemort. And I think there's, like, something where he talks about... One of the, like, few Potter Watch recordings that you hear is when he's talking about, um, this like, the rumors that Voldemort can kill people, like, with just my making eye contact. And he's like, that's actually a basilisk. So, like, if the, if the enemy you're facing down has legs, like, it can't kill you with just by looking at you. Yeah. And then he's like, but if you're facing down Voldemort, like, you're probably gonna die anyway. <laughs> um, and then, of course, they both fought in the Battle of Hogwarts. Kingsley ordered them to defend the secret passageways, which I think is, like, such a smart use of their skills. And Fred was killed in an explosion outside the room of requirement while fighting alongside Percy and George was later seen fighting Yaxley with Lee Jordan. So, rest in peace, Fred. He died with a smile on his face. That he did. Um, so this next section is, like, what I've kind of been alluding to. Like, I'll talk about that later. Well, we're at later now. <laughs> so, this section is kind of discussing how Fred and George can be sometimes thought of as bullies throughout the series and maybe like a little bit of a defense for them and I like do yeah so <laughs> but also maybe saying like some of the things that they did weren't the smartest yeah so I'm gonna start out by saying like a lot of people compare them to mar the marauders and like this is how they kind of like make their connection to them bullying it's like well they're, like, very much, like, James and Sirius, and, like, we see James and Sirius, like, are bullies to Snape. I think the main difference in 
the Weasley twins and the Marauders is that the Weasley twins did everything they did with like a sense of fun behind it like their motives were never to be mean their motives were to like prank somebody like granted sometimes that led to them being mean but that wasn't their motive whereas like James and Sirius didn't like prank Snape like they were mean to Snape they like had nicknames for him like they humiliated him in front of crowds like there was no motive behind what they were doing right and like Sirius's quote-unquote prank of trying to send Snape into the Whomping Willow was not a like that's not a prank in the sense of the right sense of the word like that's literally just trying to kill him yeah so I think that's like kind of a main distinction between like maybe Fred and George and like other bullies we see throughout the series they also Fred and George like kind of have like they target people but it's not they don't have like um they don't target the same person like over and over again. They like, don't just James pick on one person. It's not like yeah, it's like not systematic. They definitely have a profile for people, which I'll talk about a little bit later um, when they're trying to get retribu- retribution. So, <laughs> a lot of their pranks, like speaking of retribution, a lot of their pranks are kind of done like with the purpose of like seeking justice. So, like, with their prank on Umbridge, with their prank on Montague by, like, shoving him in the vanishing cabinet, that was, like, right after um, he, like, took a bunch of points away from Gryffindor for no reason, I want to say. Oh, wasn't it in regards to the Quidditch match? Or no, because that was after Quidditch had been banned. Yeah. It was, like, Oh, um, I think he pulled a wand on someone. Oh, he tried to use, like, an unforgivable curse, I think. Or, like, um, he tried to, like, attack somebody. I'm looking it up. Um. Oh, never mind. He just tried to take house points from Fred and George. Yeah, so my first my first assumption was correct. Um, So yeah. To be fair, they didn't know what that was gonna do. Yeah, which I'll like talk about that instance a little bit more in depth. Um, But a lot of the other bullying claims are like against what they how they treat Ron and how they treat Percy, which like granted like siblings can definitely be bullies to each other they can be like verbally abusive like families like just because they're your family doesn't mean that you have the right to like do anything you want to them but I think a lot of the stuff they did was like sibling fun like I think they do get a little bit of like a hall pass like by bullying their siblings you know it's just like the relationship you have like you say mean things you pick on them like Mm. that's just what happens with siblings so like some of these instances like I mentioned earlier are like turning Ron's teddy bear into a spider which I did kind of like read a little bit more in depth on this and like um this is in this was right after Ron I think stole one of their brooms and maybe broke it so Mm. again like it was in like retaliation and I think it's implied that like Fred and George um didn't have control over their magic because like obviously they're doing magic outside of Hogwarts because this is at home so like it wasn't something that they maybe intentionally did um 
So. Yeah. Um, also, like, trying to get Ron to make the unbreakable vow. This is also, like, pre-Hogwarts. So, like, maybe they didn't fully understand the grasp was, of what was happening. Ron was, like, five. So, Fred yeah. just definitely couldn't set up an unbreakable vow. <laughs> they didn't yeah. have one. Yeah. They also, like... So, if Ron was five, they were, like, seven. So, like, seven-year-olds yeah. also don't, like, grasp the severity of, like, death as much as other people so like again it's not like something they tried to do when they were like 18 or like 20 or whatever i also oh sorry go ahead sorry i just think the stuff with ron specifically a lot of it is like uh a lot of it is when they were younger and obviously they still like they tease him when like lavender him and lavender are dating and they like try to pull some pranks on him at Hogwarts and stuff and like they throw snowballs at him but I think the like younger stuff is definitely just like we don't see any other like wizarding families when they're young but I think that's just like what wizarding siblings would do to each other it's like like me like wrestling with my brothers and them like dragging me around like to get rug burn like that's just I don't know that's just what siblings do to each other because in the end like they are like friends with Ron and they like play Quidditch with him and they are they do love him and care about him I think yeah Percy is a different story but you're about to talk about that yeah so like another thing that people point to is like them bullying Percy and like a lot of the flack that they get for bullying Percy is bullying him like for kind of just being quote-unquote different from like the rest of the Weasleys like he's like locked up in his room like he works on schoolwork like he's very high like high strung all of these things and so like it can come across as like a little bit more like meaner than maybe some of the stuff they did to Ron because it's more like they don't actually like him like you never see them like palling around with Percy so they don't have that like relationship but also like Percy's a dick so like i think we need to have our Percy episode soon i think so too that that'd be a good episode um so yeah again like it's kind of just like sibling jest the only reason they get a little bit more flack for like the percy thing is that it's a little bit like meaner maybe but like there's seven of them like siblings aren't always going to get along like stuff like that happens they were able to like get over it and percy like abandoned the family and they like really took offense to that like they like they're very um like that was not okay yeah yeah Yeah. like they um you can see (sighs) sorry my brother just texted me um speaking speaking of brothers yeah (laughs) um so yeah like you can just see that they like that was like a step too far so like it's good to see that they do have kind of these like boundaries you know like they can notice when something goes too far maybe not when it's when it's in the sense of a prank but like they would never do something like that to their family like they always did it as in like it being fun like they never did it to alienate a member of their family yeah i also think i think with percy they get like more um criticism for that because like he did end up kind of leaving the family so people are like well why would he stay in the family like he was treated like shit so i think like retroactively people are like oh well fred and george were terrible to him you know i think it's just because of the way things turned out they end up getting more um criticism for that but like percy was a full-grown man like i mean he was like 17 he's not a full-grown man but like he was old (laughs) enough to make decisions and he made those decisions himself 
Yeah. He also just, like, I think that he is one of those people that, like, Fred and George just don't like. Like, mm-hmm. he was just always so superior. He was pompous think, like, to them. Yeah, and, like, Fred and George are very much, like, down to, down to earth is, like, I hate saying that about people who aren't, like, famous. Um because it's like so weird but like they're just like very much like i don't know like down to earth people like everybody operates on the same playing field i Mm -hmm. think to them like unless they do something wrong to them then like they get them back for it but like they don't look down their nose at anybody yeah and i think that that's just like something that they don't like yeah i'd agree um so shoving Montague into the vanishing cabinet is kind of like what I'll talk a little about a little bit next. Um, so we already talked about like why they did this is because Montague was like a member of the Spew Squad. No, not Inquisitorial. Inquisitorial Squad. <laughs> Inquisitorial squad. <laughs> spew Squad. Oh my spew gosh, squad. that's what they should have called Spew. The Spew Squad. <laughs> spew Spew. <laughs> Um, he was part of the inquisitorial squad so he had the right to take away house points and they tried to take he tried to take away like I want to say like an absurd amount of house points from Fred and George and so they just like at this point they were probably like again like not really trying to like defend them but like at this point they were so like done with everything like I think this is like not too long like this is the year that they leave like this is the year of umbrage like they've probably they've already been banned from quidditch i think at this point like they're just like so fed up with everything that they literally just like shove him in this cabinet they did not know what would happen after they did shove him into the cabinet um which he kind of like ends up being in this limbo because the other vanishing cabinet like it's broken like he can't get to the other Mm -hmm. one so he just keeps like trying to go back and forth and he can't leave um and he actually ends up like teaching himself how to apparate and like does it which is like really impressive well i think he knows how to apparate does he yeah because he's like isn't he a seventh year as well I don't, I don't know, know what year it maybe. is. Maybe. He is. But I think he has had... Oh, he didn't... Lessons. He had never... Oh, he managed to operate out of the next... He managed to operate out the next day, despite never having obtained an apparition license, but ended up lodged inside a toilet on the fourth floor. Okay, so, like so maybe, he doesn't have his license. Okay. Yeah. So, like, maybe he took lessons, but, like we the apparition lessons are something that very much confuses me because like kids can go through that like ron like he went through the apparition lessons never apparating and then goes to take the test and it's like um yeah that's the best idea yeah (laughs) like i think their lessons could maybe be a little bit more extensive Um, also like like, apparition isn't like driving like it's not like it's not like you can just like figure it out (laughs) yeah it also like it's weird that they even have to take a test because like driving you have to take a test because like there are rules to the road like you could kill somebody apparition like you're the only danger is like to yourself so it's like well or you could apparate onto people and hurt them yeah but like they probably wouldn't die like i don't think you're dropping from like 20 feet onto people (laughs) (laughs) um anyways like apparition lessons are a weird thing anyways um and so like he he's 
he's a little bit messed up from this experience Montague is um and Fred and George don't really make it any better like they still kind of like stand by what they did even after they realize that he like got really messed up from it and they still like make jokes about it so like maybe that's not the best thing but like them shoving him in the vanishing cabinet like they didn't know what was going to happen yeah but they maybe didn't handle it the best I think that's their worst I think that might be their worst thing I think so as well this next thing is about using first years to test out skiving snack boxes and they get a lot of flack from this and it's like definitely like a little bit of an abuse of their power but to be fair the first years volunteer they don't make them do it they get paid and fred and george have already tried everything that they're giving the first year so like they are pretty sure that it's safe yeah they know it's safe they just don't know if it works correctly yeah i think um yeah so that like like, again maybe it's it's in the gray area (laughs) yeah maybe it's not like their brightest moment but like the first year's volunteer like (laughs) um something else that i alluded to a little bit earlier is they give dudley the ton tongue toffee which ends up like creating this big panic but like it really didn't need to be a panic like arthur could have just been like don't worry i got this and like fixed it right away and then like no trauma would have happened out from it so like petunia and vernon like really make this a bigger deal than it should be like granted they're not part of the magical community so like a tongue growing to the size that it did probably freak them out a little bit more than it normally freaks out wizards and witches um but dudley deserved it sorry not sorry he was fine no lasting harm came from it he's alive he got what was coming to him yeah um so like just overall a common theme through their pranks oh sorry before i talk wrap this up there's another thing that said like um they like talk about using garroting gas at one point down a corridor. They're like, oh, we can just like fill it with garroting gas. I think I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think this is when they're um, when they use the swamp instead to like mm. clear out the space for Harry. And so like garroting means like like chopping somebody's head off, basically. Um, that's like what a garrot does. I'm pretty sure. Um, and so people are like them even like considering using this is like really not good but they don't use it and i'm not even 100 percent sure that's what like garroting gas does because like it's never explained yeah. in the series um so yeah also um when you were talking about the swamp i was reminded of you know how it says like filch was like punting had to punt people across the river. <laughs> I always thought that meant punting like a soccer ball. What does it mean? A punt is like a boat. Like it's like a small like boat that you like use the pole to like. Mm. So Filch was just like rowing people across in a boat. I, I saw this. I think it was on like Tumblr recently. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like... <laughs> I think it was a Tumblr post or a tweet or something. I don't know. And I was like, oh my God, I never, I literally had this image of Filch like taking a first year and just like drop kicking. <laughs> That's like, honestly, whenever I read that or like listen to it, I'm like, 
I always pictured just them kicking them like across the swamp, like like a soccer yeah. ball. But then I like think to myself, like, well, that can't be correct. Like, it just must have another word that I'm not aware of. But like, never cared enough to like actually look it up. Um, so yeah. But like, basically, to wrap up this section, like, the air and the motive behind most of the things they did was like for fun. Again, like, not clearing them of all, like, charges because of that. But, like, they never set out to really be mean to anybody. And if they did, in their mind, like, they had a reason for, like, reaping the justice that they rained down on them um, against, like, these bad, quote-unquote bad people, like, Slytherins. Um, There is a scene, like, during the sorting that they, like, hiss whenever a first year gets sorted into Slytherin, which, like, again, maybe isn't the nicest thing to do to, like, these innocent until proven guilty, like, 11-year-olds that they're, like, basically (laughs) bullying. Um, But, like, in their mind, like, Slytherins are the enemy, like, Umbridge was the enemy, and so they, like, get what they deserve. Again, like, I'm not saying that that's maybe the best mindset to have, but I don't think that they never ever went into a situation, like, intentionally trying to harm an innocent person. And, like, even when people did get harmed, like, it maybe wasn't always intended, like, the vanishing cabinet. Um, so, yeah. Basically, the air of most of their things was for fun. They never meant to bully anybody. Yeah. They were never mean. So, final point is that Fred and George are not bullies. Yeah, so I, like, okay, I wouldn't categorize them as bullies. Maybe some of the stuff that they did was bullying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't be, like, Fred and George are bullies. Like, bully isn't the word that would come to my mind, like, if I had to think of one word for Fred and George. Yeah. And I also think there's a lot of, like, compassion that is overlooked, so. Oh, for sure, yeah. All right. So now I'm going to talk about the other section we've been alluding to all along, which is the differences between Fred and George, kind of the nuances between the two of them. And there are a few articles that really go into this. Um, There's a Wizarding World article, which has a lot of the information that I pulled. And there's also a Quora article, or a few Quora articles with their psychological differences. So yeah, I'm basically just using compiling these articles to help me figure out the differences between Fred and George because a lot of people have done good work with this and like Katie and I were saying we did not notice any of this as we were reading any of the many times that we read the series like honestly I don't think that I really even paid attention to what like Fred and George like the name differences no like if it said, like, Fred said this, I would just, like, Fred and George said this. Like, it was never separated in my mind. Yeah. Honestly, for the longest time, it took me... It took me the longest time to remember who was the one who even died. You know my secret for that. Fred dead. Fred rhymes with dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. wait. For Katie's trivia corn... Actually, no. I'm going to back check this before I say it. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> So, Fred was mentioned 905 times in the series, and George was only mentioned 731. So, that's, like, that's a pretty big difference. Um, Fred was more outgoing and did more, while George followed his lead more. So, a lot of the, like, pranks or just, like, adventures and stuff that they did, Fred took the lead. So, Fred drove, Fred was the one that was driving the Ford Anglia. 
Fred is the one that stole the salamander from Caramagical Creatures class to test feeding it a filibuster firework. Fred's the one that drops the tun-tung, tun-tung toffee on the floor for Dudley. Uh, Fred is the one that had the idea to use the aging potion, and he was the first to cross over the line to put his name in the goblet. He initiated the talking back to Umbridge in their final flight from Hogwarts. And just in general, like, he spoke first more while George explained things more. So Harry actually had, like, longer conversations conversations with George with him explaining things, whereas Fred would, like, often say something, and then Harry would be like, what? And George would explain it. Like, the Marauder's Map, I think, in that conversation, Fred, like, says something about, like, oh, here's this map, and George, like, actually explains how they got it and what it is and what it does. Um, Also, Fred is kind of, like, the more aggressive and, uh, like, outgoing one, and we can see that with, it took, like, three chasers to hold Fred back when Malfoy was taunting them after that, the Quidditch match um, in Order of the Phoenix, and Harry held back George just on his own until Harry got offended too and they both went and beat up beat up Malfoy <laughs> and Fred was like really angry that he didn't get to fight so one of the articles I was reading was saying that this meant that like Fred was more aggressive which I, I could buy that yeah such boys I know I'm so mad I didn't get to fight <laughs> did you fact check yes um for Katie's trivia, Katie's trivia corner, um, George loses his left ear. Yes, that's good. That's a good one. Yeah, I didn't do one last time. I apologize. I forgot. Oh, oh yeah, you did. For didn't. the Deathly Hallows. Oh, I don't even know if I can think of one for the Deathly Hallows. People are going to be so disappointed. Come back to me. <laughs> okay, so. Uh, also, George was a better beater, apparently. There's actually more mentions of him hitting bludgers than Fred, which is interesting because it's just the reverse. Then, like, Fred's always mentioned more, but on Quidditch, in Quidditch, George has mentioned more. And it's also mentioned a lot that he, like, was very aggressive in hitting bludgers. And maybe this was more of his outlet for his aggression, his pent-up teenage energy, um, whereas Fred actually took that out on other things off the Quidditch pitch. So George was more compassionate and Fred was kind of funnier and maybe a little bit crueler. So Fred initiated the teasing of his siblings more and George would always kind of join in, but Fred would kind of set the tone of what they were going to be like teasing, say Percy about and how it would go. Fred was the one that like teased Ron over Scabbers's quote unquote death, but George was more compassionate and kinder and he tried to cheer Ron up by saying like you didn't even like Scabbers anyway like you always complained about that rat and then George is the one that helps Harry get his trunk on the train in Sorcerer's Stone so that one was kind of interesting because it's like kind of it's one of the first things you see them do actually I'm thinking I'm thinking about your first mention and like Fred's the one that is like taunting Molly about saying that he's George and he's the one that runs it through the wall first onto the platform. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, George is actually the one that puts Harry's trunk on the train, which I think is interesting because like she'd, she sets this tone of Fred doing things first, but George is the one that does that. Yeah. And it's so early on. 
And then George is more diplomatic. So when they were writing letters to Bagman, um, George was like making edits, trying not to be too accusatory. Fred just wanted to straight up blackmail Bagman and George didn't. Um, George was also like kind of more like in tune to what people might have been doing. So he realized like why Hermione wanted to get into the kitchens when she was asking, she asked them like how they get all the food, like where are the kitchens? Um, I think he was more just like, I don't want to say smarter, but maybe more like observant since he was quieter. He might have like paid more attention to what other people's motives might have been. Was, um... Oh, was that in the Patronus section or the Myers-Briggs where they talked about, like, sitting back and observing? I think it was the Patronus. Um, um, I yeah, think Magpie Patronus to absorb information just by watching things happen around them. Yeah, yeah. In Myers-Briggs, I think I talked about, yeah, they are observant and very sensitive to others' emotions. So I think yeah. that's something that fits George a bit more than Fred, especially yeah. with, like, Ron actually was upset. So, like, he he initiated kind of the like making Ron feel better about scabbers and like he initiated helping Harry get his trunk on the train which is like such a small thing but for Harry going to Hogwarts for the first time was probably big yeah that's interesting so yeah I mean I think retroactively like going back and and looking at all of this like it does seem like there are a lot of differences and I think this is partially what JK was getting at with like oh Fred is like obviously the older one because he's like the more outgoing the more dominant Mm -hmm. so I I definitely like the next time I read the series I want to pay attention to this more because I always like kind of forget to to pay attention to it or I just don't at all yeah yeah it's like really interesting and I mean we talked about this on the fanfic episode maybe but like that's why like George is like shipped more with Hermione because he is like the more I thought Fred was shipped more with Hermione no I think it's George oh but you ship Fred and Hermione oh I mean either I like so Fred I think is like the more popular maybe like this maybe was wearing him oh because of the like tragicness well that and also like maybe their differences but like george is also like george would fit better maybe yeah okay yeah like i've seen things both ways okay um so for the where are they now section fred is dead um his last words were like was that a joke purse i don't think i've heard you joke since and then he dies. Um, but he, like, it, um, Harry says something that like he died with like the ghost of his laugh, last laugh on his yeah. face or something oh. like that. Um, also, fun fact: um, Bellatrix's last word was "Freddy." Was Fred's name? Why? Because she says something like, "Like oh, like are you worried the rest of your kids are gonna die like Freddy or something?" Oh. And like, th- and then Molly like Why lashes would out. Why would Bellatrix even know his name? They're family members. Okay. I don't think Bellatrix sits around memorizing the Weasleys. Um, yeah. Also, something that I don't think we've said throughout this is, like, really interesting. Um, like, Fred and George are never together when something bad happens to one of them. So, like, when George loses his ear, like, they're separated. And also when Fred dies, they're not together. That's like the magpies. One for sorrow, two for joy. Yeah. 
So oh, my heart. sad fact. I would almost said fun fact. Those are yeah. Those sad are the fact. only times that they're apart. Yeah. Like we were trying to think of scenes with just one of them. Yeah. Damn. I know, right? Um, so George can no longer produce a Patronus after Fred dies. Um, George also married Angelina Johnson, which Fred took Angelina to the Yule Ball, and like they may have like dated. So like that's weird. a little weird. Um, they have two children, Fred and Roxanne. And George still runs the go- the joke shop with help from Ron. Um, yeah. Also, just in the where are they now, like, obviously none of this is canon, but there are so many great little, like, they're not even fanfics, but little things that fans write up, um, just short things about, like, Fred's death or after Fred's death. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites is it's... I'm not gonna like I'm gonna butcher it but it's Molly um it's like from Molly's point of view after the battle of Hogwarts and it's like going through and it's how she's like seeing Fred in all of her kids and it's like in one of them it's like their handwriting and like all these different things I think like Ginny's handwriting is like I think it's Ginny's yeah Yeah. and then it's like George like stays away for a while and then one time he like shows up and she like thinks it's Fred and yeah and then there's another great one. Sorry, I won't go on with all of them. But another one that I really like is, like, it's, like, talking about how George never celebrated another birthday. Like, he yeah. never wanted to blow up the candles alone. And then one time his son, Fred, asked him why he didn't. And, and he, or, like, why, why wouldn't he blow up the candles? Like, if he would do it this year. And... George was like, I'll blow them out, like, if you blow them out with me. So he got to blow out the candles with Fred. So sad. I'm crying. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, my God. George and Angelina are like Harry and Meghan. Oh. (laughs) Because one of them's a white ginger man and one of them's a black woman. Yeah. (laughs) The true Harry and Meghan. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Okay. So now on to the best part of the podcast. Archie <laughs> Thomas's cocktail for the Weasley twins. It's not it, even a cocktail. It's not a cocktail. It's just a shot. Um, it's called the Weasley's Wizard Wheeze. This is the kind of shooter you make for someone else. You must tell the drinker to swish the contents around in their mouth before swallowing. The joke being that it curdles in the process. I told you it curdles. (laughs) Making the overall experience rather unpleasant. Hilarious. So this is, I think it's called, it's actually called a cement mixer, which I guess that name would come from like it curdling and like being like like solidish in your mouth um but if you don't know a cement mixer or a weasley's wizard bees is one part baileys and half part lime juice so that's why it curdles because the baileys has like the like milkiness milk yeah cream yeah um that's disgusting it says the instructions for like making it. it says pour the baileys into a shot glass carefully layer the lime juice on top Swirl the drink around your mouth a few times before swallowing. Laugh heartily. <laughs> Not only so does that, gross. like, shot sound disgusting, but, like, the idea of taking a shot and then letting it sit in your mouth 
and like not immediately swallowing it is also really gross so gross not that like baileys is like i sip on baileys so like yeah baileys isn't isn't something that it's not like it's it's not like it's like bad vodka like i guess bourbon people sip on too (laughs) are you concerned about the fact that your favorite harry potter characters go to a magic school that doesn't teach them practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is did you go to a magic school that didn't teach you practical skills like basic arithmetic or what an element is if any of the above applies to you, you should check out our podcast. That's Not How Science Works, hosted by myself and my truly awesome co-host, Nicole. In our podcast, Caitlin and I discuss the science in different pieces of media, such as movies or TV shows, and dissect whether it's good, bad, or just plain ridiculous. Often, we also have special guests who help us rant about bad science and their areas of expertise. We release new episodes every other Monday, and you can find us wherever you usually download your podcasts. We like to think of this as a podcast for the science curious. So whether you're a practicing scientist or a wizard who just graduated high school with no practical life skills, we'd love for you to listen in. You can also find out more by going to our website, thatsnotscience.com, or by looking us up on Twitter, at TNHSWpod. We hope you give us a listen. Now back to your regularly scheduled Potterheads, Katie and Audrey. So um, for our pop quiz question today, it is, what would you most want to buy from Weasley's Wizard Wheezes? I know your answer. What? Oh, never mind. (laughs) I wasn't even thinking that. Oh. Um, I think extendable ears would be a lot of fun you like wouldn't even have to use them for like spying on people you know how like kids do the thing with the cups and the strings like you could do that and that would be just like a lot of fun or like i don't think i would use them to like i don't have any need to spy on like my family or my friends or anything eavesdropping on people it's one of my favorite pastimes i feel like it would be fun to use them or like useful to use them you know when you just like want to be a fly on the wall like something like we're a room where like important decisions are made or yeah. i don't know like two celebrities like that had a feud like whispering stuff to each other on the red carpet i don't know like speaking of speaking celebrity of, are you talking feuds? about the taylor yeah we, we always knew that she was telling the truth i was always team swift but this is wild and like this it's four years later. Yeah. What? I always knew she was telling the truth. How did, how did the, sorry, for people who don't know what we're talking about. So you know how like um, Taylor Swift like reignited her feud with Kanye West after, I don't even know what the fuck the name of the song famous. is. Um, famous. after the line like, I made that bitch famous. Like I still think Taylor and I might have sex or whatever. Um, yeah. And so like, it came like Taylor Swift was like came out like opposed to that, and then Kanye and Kim were like, "We approve, like you got, we got your approval." We have the receipts. and they like leaked the phone call or whatever, but it like only they only leaked part of it, and so the full phone call got leaked. And Taylor Swift approves a different lyric that doesn't call her a bitch, and um, she never approved like her naked body being in the music video. Yeah. Um. Anyways, we always knew Taylor was telling the truth. But if we had extendable ears, we could have known for sure. <laughs> we could have known four years ago. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad but, um, that she was villainized for that. I know. I mean, I felt that before, but now it's like, now I'm just like, ha, like, 
Oh, you well, idiots. To me, the biggest thing is like, because like you said, like, sorry, this isn't a Taylor Swift podcast, but um, <laughs> like, I always like believed her. And like, even I always, even if she did approve the lyric, like she still didn't approve like her naked body being in the music video. Yeah. And like, also she, she can right. be against it. Like it was a disgusting song. Yeah. Um, but then like how Kim like jumped on the like villainized Taylor bandwagon and like started Listen, it. I never even liked though Kim. she knew what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. What, what would you want from Weasley's <laughs> wizard wheezes? So what you are were alluding to is a pygmy puff, I assume. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean, that would be, I would buy that. I also think extendable ears, like, that was one of the first things that popped into my mind. The Skyving snack boxes, I really don't have any need for. Um, I actually think I'd get a love potion. Oh, of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't, like, I don't know. A pro- like, yeah, probably, like, in reality, a pygmy puff. I'm not a big jokester you get a love potion and then go on the bachelor and use it i'd win yeah (laughs) that way yeah i don't know okay those like shoes that you can walk up the wall seem really cool oh those are cool yeah all right well we didn't put this information in our notes again so we're just gonna (laughs) we're just gonna go for it yeah. Hopefully you don't start my part again. Okay. You can find our <laughs> podcast. No. I wasn't going to say social media. You can find our okay. podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google Podcasts. Is that what it's called? I think, I think that's what it's called. And also whatever you're listening to this on right now, because it's already on that podcast platform. They come out every other Tuesday and also just to like keep us going and motivate us please 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 leave us a rating and review on apple podcasts or another outlet but apple podcast is like i think the one that matters the most and we Mm -hmm. really really love getting those from you so please do that it makes me feel good (laughs) yeah um we've had 23 for a while now so i'd like to get up to 30. that's ambitious (laughs) It's only seven more. Seven. Perfect. Um, (laughs) You can find us on social media on Instagram and Facebook. We are Wizard Studies Podcast. On Twitter, we are Wizard Studies. You can also email us. I almost just said you can Gmail us. You can can Gmail us. You can Gmail us. You can Gmail chat us if you like um, at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com. You can, if you want to contact us about anything, you can use those outlets. Also, I just want to say shout out to a listener who just sent us a really nice email, Morgan. And she told us a little bit about herself too, which was awesome. So please do that. Like, tell us about yourself. Tell us any questions you have. She did research. Like, that was super cool. Um, Yeah. Really anything we'd love to hear from y'all. Yeah. Also, um... I, I kind of thought about saying this earlier. I don't know if we ever, like, officially talked about, like, plans for you coming down and going to Universal, but that did not happen. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I like, I don't know if we, like, ever really talked about that or announced it, but Audrey did have plans. Yeah. Audrey did have plans to come down last week um, and visit. 
that, like I said, did not happen. Coronavirus happened. Closed. <laughs> coronavirus ruined my life. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sure it's ruining most people's lives, so. But hopefully sometime soon I'll make it down to Orlando. We'll get to go to Universal, and then we can bring you guys some content that way. Yes. Yes. We're trying to make it happen, but everything is uncertain right now. Honestly. Okay. So hopefully this podcast brings you a little bit of joy when you're at home by yourself. Yes. Or with people, with loved ones. Yeah. If you need a break, put your headphones in. And yeah, because that's what I've been doing. I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts. Yeah. So. I've been going for walks with my dog because I need that time alone. And then I listen to my podcast. Yeah, I'm currently working on a puzzle. Yeah, puzzles are the best. All right. Was that everything? <laughs> Yes. Stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands. <laughs> um, thank you. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best. We'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. <laughs>